find a warm welcome in here. Uh, it's good to have you with us, whether you're here in person or joining uh, us online. The COVID restrictions have changed a bit, but if you can still try and keep one metre apart from other households. There will be tea and coffee served at the end of the service and uh, the minibus is back on, so it's good to see some of the folks from the minibus uh, back again to have you with us. With all that in mind, there's a lot of things in the church um, needing done that we need volunteers for. If you can help with the minibus, if you could speak to Margaret, Stephen, um, that's we need drivers and also people um, to, to escort as well. We need um, two people each time. Uh, we also need help with the teas. And uh, if you see Elma Miller for cleaning, if you speak to Eleanor Dunsmore, and uh, if you can help with any property matters, then Shona Scott would love to hear from you. Um, if you don't know who these people are, then let me know and we'll soon put you in touch. 
Uh, just to remind you that John Matheson's funeral is on uh, Wednesday at one o'clock. Everyone's welcome, but you will need to give your test and, and protect details. If you could do that in advance to Cuthill's. That would be appreciated. And if the Kirk session could gather that day at 12.45 in the session house. Thank you. Good morning. I hope you're all well. I'm feeling a bit blind this morning. Um, I'm here, but my glasses are in York. I was at a wedding yesterday and we were driving home last night and somebody messaged me and said, your glasses are sitting on the table. And I thought, hmm, two hours into the journey, there was no way I was going back for the glasses. So at some point my glasses will appear, at some point. Until then, I'm a bit blind. So um, that's me. So I hope you're all in a better state than I am this morning because I, I think my head's still somewhere between York and here and uh, the glasses are definitely there. But I'm here in body and in spirit and in person. Mind, I'm just glad that Charlene's preaching. <laughs> it's brilliant having an assistant. <laughs> so why don't you turn to one another and share how you are this morning and where you're at. We've come this morning to worship God and let's just before we begin settle ourselves just for a moment and just allow ourselves to, to remember why we're here. Our call to worship is up on the screen. And I invite you, as always, to say the words in gold. Loving God, we approach your light. 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 Lord God of life, light and love, we adore you. Let's stand together and sing our first hymn, O God, you search me and you know me. Mm -hmm. 
Well done, that was a new one for us. Do you know it? No? I, I think that's, I recognize the hymn, but I think that's uh, the uh, tune, but I think that's the first time I've sung those words. Uh, but it's lovely that actually having Charlene means that we're being introduced to all this new music. It's great. Let's come before God in prayer. Father, we come here this morning with one purpose, to be in your presence. Perhaps it's to give you our thanks and our praise. Perhaps it's just to settle here in the knowledge that those whom we love have settled here before us and we need your comfort and your strength. For others, we might be seeking guidance, hoping for a word of direction. Or maybe we don't know why we've come, but we've come because you have drawn us here. And so whatever brings us, Lord, may we find you. May we know your presence with us. May our eyes be opened to the ways in which you are working in our lives. May our spirits be opened to your touch and our hearts be renewed within us. And Lord, all of that is possible because of the gift that you gave us of your Son. Jesus, who went before us, teaching us the ways that you want us to be sharing with us your love, enabling life in all of its fullness to flourish within us, taking the wrongs that we do in our life and taking them to the cross with him so that when he rose again, we were offered life in a way that is not possible without it. A life of freedom from guilt and shame, a life where the chains that would bind us are broken and we are free. Lord, for all of that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Without you, Lord, we are nothing. In you, we are your sons and daughters, precious children anointed by you made new in grace, welcomed into your embrace. For that, Lord, we praise you. And yet still there are things that we do, things that we say, things that we think that we know are harmful to us, to our relationships with one another, and to our relationship with you. And so now in the silence of this place, we confess those things that we wish we didn't do in the knowledge that we are already forgiven for them. And may our conscience be wiped clear. Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for the freedom that you offer us. Thank you for the life that you offer us. Thank you for the forgiveness which is ours in you. May our lives be transformed. May our hearts be made new within us. And may may we be bearers of your light in our dark and broken world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've told you my news, I've left my specs in York and also I'm quite happy this week for the first week since uh, before Christmas I did two runs and I'm quite happy, that means I feel like normal again and I'm back to my normal energy levels, I can jump about the place, I can run about the place and so Covid has well and truly left the building which is good. Anybody else got news? I know that some of you have got news because some of you came in the minibus today for the first time in ages. Some of you will have seen people today that you like for the first time in ages. So everybody's got news to share. Mary. I was at a birthday party last night. In fact, it was a double birthday party. If you know Tam Smith, the councillor, it was his 80th birthday and his partner, Caroline, she was 60. So it was quite a celebration. It was very, very good. Nice to catch up with uh, people that I haven't seen for a while and that sort of thing, meet new people as well. So it was very good. I'm going to, for afternoon tea on Saturday, it's a a late Christmas present with my grandson and his wife and the two grandmas are gone off each side. Great. See, there is news. See? Jim? I went on Thursday night with some of my friends and we visited Lithgow Gin Distillery. And it was a very interesting night. I learned a lot about gin. I couldn't drink any because I was driving, Amanda. But it was an interesting night about gin. I didn't know it had to be a percentage of juniper. Juniper berries and gin to make it gin. And uh, I don't know a new route for walks and all the rest, Amanda. Do you see many juniper trees? <laughs> uh, there's juniper, let me think, where is the juniper? There's juniper in Calendar Park. So there you are. If you're looking to get some juniper berries, there's juniper berries in Calendar Park. Right. We sprint round the corner. That's another wee run for you. <laughs> um, two pieces of news. Um, as you know, we were waiting for mum's biopsy to come back and I'm delighted to say that the tumour was non-malignant and she's been given the all clear. So thank you to everybody. That's good news, isn't it? A complete answer to prayer, Nora. Yeah, all clear. Good. And the second piece of news, it's dad's birthday on Thursday. <laughs> oh, and how old is dad going to be on Thursday? 21. 21 for the umpteenth time. What was that? 83. You don't look 83. That must be what it is. Yep, good looking after Nora all these years. Well, I hope you have a lovely birthday on Wednesday, did you say? Thursday. And are you doing something nice for it? Am I doing something nice? (laughs) It's a surprise if you are. (laughs) Maybe maybe she'll let you in at Scrabble, you never know. Well, that's lovely, and I hope you have a lovely day on Thursday. Anybody else got news?
Whose birthday was it yesterday? Morag's birthday yesterday. Oh, she's... <laughs> oh, Moira, I think you've been a bit naughty. <laughs> was it your birthday yesterday, Morag? Yes. Did you, did you do something nice? I went for lunch with my uh, two daughters and one son-in-law and my four granddaughters. We went to the... Um, I think it's just called the, the Bridges in Queen's Ferry. Um, so it was very nice. Lovely. Happy birthday. My granddaughter passed a driving case, so she's thrilled to bits. Oh, she will be. So you're going out for, are you going to go out for a drive with her? Uh, no, she's coming down. I says, well, if I'm not out in time, tell her to come for me, but she'll be so excited. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Tell her congratulations from us. Lots of news this morning. This is great. See, you don't need to have big news. It could just be anything that you want to share. Fantastic. Oh, Margaret. I had, it's all this talk of birthdays, I had a belated birthday gift from my family, I had two days in Pitlochry this week, and it was lovely, really spoiled, so I thanked them all greatly. I'm wonderful, and I'm so glad you had a lovely time. I knew you were away, and so I thought I was thinking of you, was it during the better weather days, or... I know, but your trip away, was it good, was it good weather? The weather was quite good, yes. It was very cold. It was lovely. Good. Anybody else? I've not missed anybody, no? Okay. I think I'm going to hand over to Charlene. Is that, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's a reading. We're having a reading next, and Diane's going to give us God's word this morning from John's Gospel. We continue our readings from John's Gospel at chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever believes stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen the Son, so that everyone who believed in him may not die but have eternal life. And although in our reflection today we will focus on the whole chapter, we need to set the stage by reminding ourselves just a little about what happened um, last week when Amanda shared chapter 2. For we heard that the temple, um, about how Jesus cleared the temple, um, how he was unhappy with what was happening there. And we also seen that he was unhappy with what men were doing with their temple, their own inner self. But while he was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, he did many signs and many believed in Jesus because of that. But Jesus didn't believe in them because he knew that the true condition of their hearts wasn't faithful. There seems to be a clear connection between the last part of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, and that's accomplished by the use of the word man. At the end of chapter 2, we read that Jesus knew what was in man. And then chapter 3 begins with, Now there was a man. That man was Nicodemus. And the implication here is that Jesus could see what was beneath the the religious exterior of Nicodemus. And he knew what was in his heart. This is an important connection And hopefully it will help us to understand why Jesus said to Nicodemus. And he said this in no uncertain terms. No beating about the bush and no cushioning the situation. He said it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So who was Nicodemus the man? At first glance, Nicodemus might not seem ordinary because he has such religious credentials. He comes across as quite special, highly educated, and what perhaps we would describe as being of that upper class. But we might see more as we go on that he is more like us and just an ordinary individual. And because of that, he's going to illustrate for us the main idea of what we want to share from today's reflection. Nicodemus appears only in John's Gospel, and he shows up two more times. Once in chapter 7, 
when he comes to Jesus' defense before the Pharisees, and again in chapter 19, when he accompanies Joseph of Arimathea and he anoints the body of God for burial. Now we know that he is a very religious man. He's identified as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. And in verse 10, Jesus himself calls him a teacher of Israel. Because of how Jesus often addresses them, we can sometimes tend to think that the Pharisees, we see them in a negative light. But in the first century, they were actually widely respected for their study of the Torah and their devotion to obeying God. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, he actually indicates that this was a pretty exclusive group of people. As a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus would have been also part of the 70-strong membership of the Jewish ruling council called the Sanhedrin, which a good, sorry, take a wee drink of water. just getting drier and drier, <clears throat> which adjudicated and settled both the civil and criminal matters among the Jews. And this was so that the Romans wouldn't need to get involved. This was also a highly respected position in the Jewish religion. But we're told that Nicodemus came at night. But we're never told really why he came at night. There's a number of possible reasons it's certainly possible that Nicodemus was hiding the fact he was seeing Jesus from other people. Or maybe he just wanted to come at a time when he could have Jesus to himself, solely him, one-on-one, -on -one, to ask his questions. But that's all just speculation. What's clear here is that Nicodemus realised that his own religion still wasn't enough. There was still something missing in his life, and he believed that Jesus had the answers. Undoubtedly, Nicodemus was one of the people who had seen the signs that Jesus was doing. And he believed in him to some degree, which meant he needed to know more about Jesus. He was so intrigued he, enough to see that if Jesus came to help him to discover the missing part of, that he was seeking... Apparently, he also approached Jesus on behalf of another group who had also observed the signs of Jesus and were, doing, were curious to know about him. And this is indicated because Nicodemus uses the plural person when he says we in verse 2. So there are others who are interested, but Nicodemus has been sent to find out. Nicodemus, he begins with flattery, calling Jesus rabbi, and acknowledging all the good things that Jesus had done. And he said that these things couldn't be done unless it was through God. But Jesus, as we'll see him often do time after time, has a way of seeing past flattery and past the surface and getting to the real heart issue. So even though Nicodemus hasn't actually asked Jesus a question, John writes that Jesus answers him. Jesus begins his answer with a phrase that we see three times in John 3. 
and one which Jesus frequently uses throughout other conversations that he has. He starts off saying, truly, truly, I tell you the truth. Truly in Greek means amen. And in Hebrew, there is also a translation that says, so be it. He was not only claiming that he was about to say what he was about to say was true, but that he had first-hand knowledge it was true. Jesus proceeds to give Nicodemus the answer to the question which Nicodemus really wasn't wanted to ask. He was either afraid to ask the question or he didn't even realise what the question was that he needed to ask. Jesus makes it clear to Nicodemus that religion no matter how sincere or devout, is just not enough to get into the kingdom of God. The only way that can be seen to get the kingdom of God is to be born again. And this is a phrase that's used, it can be popular, people are familiar with it. Some might even call themselves born-again Christians. But I wonder sometimes if we are just as puzzled about what it really means as Nicodemus was. Nicodemus's understanding may also have been hindered as the Greek translation of the word again is ambiguous and it has three different possible meanings. It can mean one, from the beginning, and this is used in this way in Luke. Two, it can mean again, in the sense of using something a second time. And it can mean from above which is the way it is used further in in John in verse um, 31. All three are present in what Jesus says. To be born again means to undergo such a radical change that it is like being born for the first time. There's a bit of a parallel here if we look at the wider church and the radical change, the way that there's a refocus of how we take forward our teachings, but at the moment we're, we're here and talking about us. There's certainly, um, being born again is a sense that this is a spiritual birth after our physical birth. And it's certainly from above, since it's not the result of any kind of human achievement. But Nicodemus chooses to focus on the second aspect and comes up with what seems a ridiculous question about entering into his mother's womb for a second time. It's really hard to know if Nicodemus is just being a bit sarcastic or if he truly wants to understand what Jesus is saying. But Jesus doesn't get caught up or sidetracked with this rabbit hole. He gets right back to reminding Nicodemus why he can't rely solely on his religion. He tells him that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Jesus indicates that as a teacher of Israel, this is something that Nicodemus should have understood. Jesus must be referring to something that is revealed in the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have been familiar with. This passage from Ezekiel 36 seems to be relevant here. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Ezekiel had predicted a time when God would cleanse the people from all of their sins using the illustration of water. The same imagery for our sins being washed away is picked up frequently in the New Testament. And when God did that, he would also put his spirit in them and to enable them to live a life that is consistent with his purpose, his plan and his ways. Nicodemus, who was a student of the scriptures, should have been able to make the connection between being born again and Ezekiel's prophecy. But the problem was that his religion seemed to be focused more on external morality rather than the heart. And this kept him from seeing any connection. Now, while it's easy for us to sit here and find fault in Nicodemus for letting his religion get in the way of truly being born again, the fact is that we are very prone to doing the very same thing. It's even possible that some of us here this morning are depending on our religion to make us right with God. And perhaps we don't even recognize it. Perhaps it's the way we are. We might figure out as long as we come to church on a regular basis, that we attend Bible study, give our offering each week and participate in the Lord's Supper, that we have read our Bible and we pray regularly, and that makes us right with God. All of those things are religious activities, and they are all good. And most of them are either commanded or encouraged by the Bible. But while they are good, they are not good enough to allow us to enter the kingdom of God. It's even possible for those of us who have committed our lives to fall back into relying on our religion and our religious activities and become like the Pharisees who thought that that was their ticket into heaven. So how do we make sure that we don't rely on a religion that is good but not good enough? To answer the question, we need to review part of today's passage. In verses 16 to 21, there is so much that we could take away from the verses. But our goal is to keep, it, or sim- to keep things simple and focus on the gospel today. So I'm going to attempt to leave us with one thing um, that we can take away today. And I wanted to focus on a statement. And that is, what I believe is more important than what I achieve. So I want you to repeat it with me. What I believe is more important than what I achieve. Okay, we together. What I believe is more important than what I achieve. So let me address the the last part of this first idea. Let me ask you a question. How many of you were responsible uh, responsible for or involved in your own birth? Being born is something that you can't do on your own. You don't conceive yourself and you don't deliver yourself. Someone else does all of that for you. 
And I think this is why Jesus uses the metaphor of birth here. He wants 